keep on kissing babies and hugging fat girls. Sell out full of suffering, suck attach, son. It's me, Austin. Oh, son of a bitch. What? It's me, Austin. It was me all along, Austin. And you teeth look like two tight too, Billy. And you book a match with me. That's right, Killing. Look at me. I'm a total package. I will rip him apart. I'm pissed now. Where to, Stephanie? <laughs> total. Marks with Dan St. Germain. Welcome, everyone, to another exciting edition of Total F and Marks. I am the man of a thousand tweets, Andy Cups himself, Robert Karpolis, uh, joined, as always, by the leader of the St. Germaniacs, the king of sad style, Dan St. Germain. Dan, how are you? I'm, I'm glad to be here. I'm, I'm also, I'm even happier that I'm not in Florida. I'm, I'm happy you're alive, though. Seems like it's just a walking dead down there. Oh, just to be safe, I'm wearing a mask while doing this uh, recording, just because you guys look like very dirty people. Uh, <laughs> speaking of which, the uh, our our other co-host, the the third man, uh, the man dubbed Medium Swole, Sergeant Slaughterhouse himself, Scott Chaplin. Scott, how are you? What's up, boys? I'm great. And uh, happy belated birthday to uh, Scott, who uh, just celebrated it two days ago from when we recorded this. So uh, we right. would sing it, but we don't have the rights to the song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if uh, anybody has any like towel that Okada wiped himself with, Scott will be more than happy to smith snip. Or just someone who looks enough like Okada. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know how to follow that up. So we're just going to jump right into the- I can't uh, follow it up because I'm too hard. <laughs> All right, keep going. So we're going to jump right into the 10 count. This is a big, uh, a big shift in the podcast this week uh, because Zach Attack, now on top of just being the best producer in the history of this show, to my knowledge, the only producer, but still the best, he's going to be keeping time on this. You're going to hear a bell. Zach, you want to uh, have us hear what that bell sounds like? Game, game <laughs> we already botched the bell. It sounds like a like a toy choo-choo train. Like it, like Zach was like, how do I get my choo-choo trains involved in this? <laughs> just so just so the audience knows, whatever you whatever you just heard is not what they just heard. <laughs> yeah. Mark Mark Eaton is rolling over in his grave. Uh, he's still alive, but you know, theoretically. Uh, so that will uh, that is going to help keep us a little honest here in terms of timing, so we don't spend uh, 25 minutes talking about the uh, new U.S. title design, which is coming up. We've only got about 23 minutes to talk about it, but we're going to start <laughs> with night two of Fighter Fest. Uh, so we'll kind of go uh, go through some of the matches here, get some takes on it. The opening match: Kenny Omega and Hangman Adam Page against Private Party with Private Matt Hardy uh, for the AEW World Tag Team Championship. <laughs> uh, Scott, what'd you think of this? It's funny, because uh, I was getting so excited about the match as you were building it, and then you said Matt Hardy, and I was like, oh yeah, it, it wasn't absolutely my favorite. <laughs> um, but it was a fun match. I, I think it, you know, it being for the tag titles definitely taints the fact that the best friends just fought for them last week. 
Uh, it kind of makes like their ratings and rankings a little confusing. Uh, but I did enjoy the match itself. I think their tag matches are great. I like opening with these kind of matches. They've done it a hundred times. And I feel like Kenny and Paige have opened the show maybe more than anybody. Uh, and there's a reason for that. Uh, it's storyline based without having to say too much. And uh, a lot of the work is done in the ring. A fucking plus for me. Ring that bell. Don't, don't plead. We don't need to hear that bell again. We'll, 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 when will we'll I have it. the power of the bell? We'll fix it in post. Uh, Dan, what did you think of this? I thought it was fine. I thought it was a match. Private Party or Super Green still. They're getting better every week. But isn't there something fun about seeing that? Sure. I mean, but if you, you ask me, like, what I thought of this match, and, uh, you know, I, I kind of had a similar feeling of this match that I did with the Gargano uh, Swerve match, where I'm like, this was good. It was a match. Yes. Uh, I'm glad I watched the match. It, no, nothing to write home about. Uh, write home about. But I, I did think that uh, what, what Scott said is true about the tag rankings. I, I also think you, you do need to get those belts off of Kenny and Hangman at some point, because the money is the program between the Bucks and FTR. And if they don't have the belts, if the belts aren't involved in it, it really doesn't make sense with the FTR's character. Uh, so I, I, I don't know. It just feels like in at all out, it should be, it should be those two fighting for the titles. Yeah. And, which, you know, which is, which is, Pentagon, that's what? two months from now. That's, that's two that's months. Yeah, it could very well happen. It could yeah. very well. Happen. I think Pen it will. And, and I really like Pentagon and, and, Phoenix, Phoenix, but I, I also, but I'm, I'm for like, you know, they, they've, they've brought this up before, but I'm for, you know, a three man title. I'm for a triple tag title. I, I think that those three would be amazing with that. And then you could get uh, the best friends involved with Orange Cassidy. But yeah, I thought it was fine. It was a fine opening match. I, I think, I think a triple tag title is a little too far in for an American audience. Like I, I think people, an average fan would kind of think that that, that might be silly. Well, I think Ring of Honor had a, a, a three, six man yeah, title or something yeah, like yeah, that, they, or they yeah. may still have one, but it, it, you wind up piling too many guys in and it removes the novelty of having six man tag matches. I think this match for an opening match was, it was just kind of there. I think the biggest problem I have with Kenny Omega is it's starting to feel like that uh, cell phone commercial where Gordon Ramsay is working at a Costco handing out free samples. Like he, he, he's great in this role, but he could be doing so much more uh, than what he's doing here. I don't think it's helping them. And it's clear that they're just kind of treading water until either they turn on one another or uh, they face an actual tag team. Even Jim Ross said during the match, oh, you know, uh, the private party beat the Young Bucks, who were probably the best tag team in wrestling. Well, if they're the best tag team in wrestling, why don't they have the titles? Uh, next up. Uh, the Murder Hawk Mandalorian, Lance Archer, with Jake the Snake Roberts beat the bad boy Joey Janela with Sonny Kiss. Uh, Dan, did this did this change your life? I enjoyed this match. I think Joey has gotten better every week, and I love the spot in the beginning with Sonny. I, I, I really like Sonny Kiss. Uh, she's, she, she's just likable. I thought uh, Lance Archer looked great. I thought Jake coming out, I, you know, I thought it was a good big man, little man match. Uh, I, I, I have really nothing to say other than I, I really enjoyed it. And I want to give a shout out. Were, were there as many plants in the set design last week as there were this week? Cause I really enjoyed the addition of all the plants. 
It's, it's funny you say that because that's the one thing my girlfriend notices every time she walks into the room. She, she notices how many plants they have. And she thought it was to fill up uh, the, like to fill it up, to make it feel like, you know, there's stuff going on since there's not an audience. And I wasn't even connecting that. I was just thinking, you know, oh, summertime, like a fool. But there's a legitimate production reason for this. And uh, it makes things look better. How yeah, great like of a match was this? Chicks, you know. I, I, I think that you know what you know a match is great when people are focused on the trees in the background <laughs> uh, as being your big takeaway. I thought this was it was fine. It went way too long. Uh, this didn't need to go to the commercial break. Uh, Archer should have destroyed him. I like that Jake Roberts gave so little of a shit of being out there. He came out there with a water bottle. And he's just sitting there in the back drinking. Like, he yeah. doesn't, he was, he, I'm glad he's there. I, I think when he talks, he contributes. But in this instance, he was just kind of like an old man wandering around uh, observing the plants, kind of like Scott now that he's in his 30s. Uh, should, should he be out there? I mean, everyone's giving the WWE shit for having Flair out there. I, I don't think Jake is any healthier than Flair. I mean, Flair's probably a little worse because all the surgeries, but it just doesn't seem yeah. like he should be out there. You really think COVID's going to bring down Jake Roberts? <laughs> Jesus. If there's one man whose entire body has been pickled and will be preserved for life, it's Jake the Snake. Yeah, he's the uh, cure. Next up, the, uh, the delaying everything for a week segment was Taz uh, and Tony Schiavone in the ring with Brian Cage, where Taz presents uh, Brian Cage with the FTW World Heavyweight Championship. Uh, this to me felt just really stupid. Um, what? Oh, I I couldn't have disliked this more if I tried. Number one, <laughs> the, you're this you're doing the you're doing almost the TNA thing where you you can't let ECW go and you're bringing up the past. And Taz's FTW title meant that you were the baddest guy that there was, regardless of size, regardless of of look. Yeah, and was, Brian Cage looks exactly like the opposite of what the FTW no. title represents. Oh, he's got his hand up. We're going to go with Scott. <laughs> with a counterpoint, let's go, to, let's go to Scott. So this is why it's so cool, right? Um, one, it's happening in AEW, and I have to say that. No, no, no. I'm, okay, this is, why it's cool. <laughs> this is why it's cool. Because, okay, because remember Taz, um, Shane Douglas wouldn't let Taz face him for the title. Yeah. For the heavyweight title, the ECW uh, championship. So Taz said, well, you know, fuck your world title or whatever. I'm the baddest man. So he had his own title because he's like, well, what's the use? You know what I mean? And then eventually, uh, what, like Sabu won it because he was the baddest dude. But eventually Shane Douglas let him challenge. The reason this makes sense is because Taz has been acting like John Moxley is afraid to fight brian cage so he's acting like moxley's being a shane douglas right now and and therefore the storyline makes sense because he goes just like douglas was afraid to fight me and he was the champ this guy's afraid to fight my dude now so i gotta give my dude this title it's like contextually pretty pretty a plus it just feels like it's one of those things that exists in wrestling history that hasn't been completely bastardized and using it for brian cage it, I'm just getting like impact uh, recycling here. Well, what was bad was, with Joe. <laughs> what, what was bad was Brian Brian Cage's reaction, like he was handed like, you you know, like just 
a pair of sunglasses or something. Like he, he was just acting like he was gifted something from a boardwalk. I just feel like these guys would never ever be together. Like it doesn't feel genuine that Taz I agree with that. this guy and say, he's the guy I want to back. It's just Tony Khan must be stroking a check to Taz that is uh, well worth his time. Well, Khan's a big ECW this. fan, right? Like, like hardcore. Yes, he's, he's, he's Dixie Carter. You're proving yeah. my point. Dan, yeah. you're, break the tie here. How, how terrible was this? I liked it. I'm Go sorry. I, I, no. I, 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 look, I, I'm, I don't care how many titles any federation has. It's, it's fake. It's a work. Yeah. And I, I thought that the title kind of reminded me of Halloween, which is really stupid. Man, what the fuck is this analysis? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm bringing a different perspective. It reminded me of Halloween, and I like thinking of Halloween. <laughs> That's right, exactly well... what I was about to say. <laughs> I also have a problem with Brian Cage in those jeans. He just looks like he's about to dance for Thunder Down Under. He looks like a male stripper. <laughs> But, uh, you know, I, I thought it was cool, man. I thought it was a good promo. I understand people getting pissed off. They don't want to see it turn into New Japan where there's like 11 titles. But just to give you an idea of how big of a title slot I am, I missed the European Championship. Well, the European Championship was, was great and made D'Lo Brown a, an international name. Uh, next up, <laughs> the, uh, the Butcher, the Blade, and the Lucha Brothers uh, beat FTR and the Young Bucks in an eight-man tag team match. Uh, Dan, we'll, we'll go with you. How, how did this remind you of Halloween? <laughs> this reminded me of Ramadan. No, I, I, I thought it was, uh, I thought it was excellent. I, this is probably my favorite match from two weeks. Although I thought the Thatcher and Sasha Banks match was really good. This is the type of match that like, I, I think AEW has been trying to make this match work for the entire year. And this is the first time it really felt like there were eight people working together rather than it'd be a, just a spot fest. That, that spot where Phoenix was powerbombed on, on, on the guys outside, it was, it was unbelievable. I, 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 wanna give, I, I do want to give like a shout out to the – this is like another Halloween observation, is that uh, those new FTR jackets are fucking awesome. I want to buy one. And, uh, and it was the, also the first time that I enjoyed – people coming out to the ring in a car when when uh, Phoenix and Pentagon came out. But yeah, you know, you know, I, I enjoyed it. Dan, was this New Japan enough for you? Or sorry, Scott, I don't know why I said <laughs> looking at the wrong screen. I thought it was a lot of fun with these matches. Like there's always like the one obvious complaint of um, you see a little too much stalling sometimes when guys are getting ready to set something up which kind of breaks the illusion for me. Um, but this had like less errors than anything. This is like one of my favorite tag matches I've seen in a while, I'd say. Um, it, was, it was my favorite match of, yeah, of the last two weeks, Bash or AEW. I enjoyed the hell out of it. Uh, yeah. I liked the little story they were telling of FTR trying to isolate themselves from the Young Bucks. But then when they worked together, they realized like it's that Spider-Man meme where he's pointing at himself. And they just all seamlessly work together and still yeah. lost, which is fine. Um, it was it was good. It was clearly there to to try to draw eyeballs to it. And I think that's the biggest story from both of these shows is it feels now like there's a Monday Night War again. They're pulling out all the stops on the show, uh, which brings me to the next match: the Native Beast Nyla Rose against Kenzie Page and Kylan King. Uh, 
it, it felt like when they used to do the Ryback squash matches on on SmackDown, the it was it was a means to an end for her to announce that she's going to be getting a manager, and uh, great. I, I think on the broader sense, AEW is running into an issue where the managers are starting to overshadow the talent in a lot of ways. I, I think that when Tully comes out with Sean Spears, you're a little bit more focused on Tully. When Archer's out there, you're focused on Jake. I don't know who Nyla Rose can add that's going to make Nyla Rose a bigger attraction versus being distracted by, oh, who's her manager going to be? Scott? Yeah, I, I mean, it's also like the one – the one woman who does not need someone in her corner because she's so powerful. She's squashing these fucking girls anyway. I mean, isn't the idea of a manager for like strategy or for, you know, to help you cheat or some shit. So it's like, what, what, what is the purpose? And she can talk enough, like well enough. Uh, I don't get it. I, I go, if you're going to go with somebody who probably Vicky Guerrero. It's going to be Vicky. They're going to, they're going to get the one woman with a more, annoying voice than Nyla Rose yeah which it's like uh, okay I mean I like to see Vicky working and I like that uh all those those guys really take care of each other like you know the Jericho Malenko uh I wouldn't mind if I wouldn't mind if they spend the money and get Cornette I think the internet would go absolutely buck wild (laughs) if it winds up being Jim Cornette oh dude I mean they should they should cancel whatever plans they have for Tyson to throw the money at Cornette. Well, actually, I mean, I think now it's good. They actually know what Cornette wants out of this. They know it, it, they don't need money. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know who's taking just the send hit the, in this Just one. send the tag division down just there. Send, yeah, just send Brian Cage over yeah. to cast Cornette with some Crisco. That, see, that's giving you some, sti- some uh, stipulations people would care about. So I would actually have cared about the next match more if the losers had to go fuck Jim Cornette's wife. It was the exalted one, Mr. Brody Lee, Stu Grayson, and Colt Cabana against SCU in a six-man tag. I liked uh, this. Okay, great. Tell me why. Here's why. Okay, maybe because the Dark Order, I'm always like, it's hard. I don't even know how to explain it without uh, exposing that I might have been hit as a kid. Uh, but, like, <laughs> when you've been hit enough by somebody and then, like, they come towards you and, and, and you flinch. And, like, so when the Dark Order comes out, I go, oh, no, don't beat me with this bullshit, you know? And I get nervous. And then, and then they were like, hey, man, let, let's have some ice cream. That's what it felt like. I was like, oh, this is a fun match, and I'm so used to being beaten by these guys. So this was free therapy for Scott. Uh, <laughs> I really I, enjoyed like, it. I loved it. More reasons to donate to our Patreon to get Scott the help he needs. Dude, dude. <laughs> AEW, every match, feel the storyline feels important enough for me to, to be interested. And what they're doing with the Dark Order and Cole Cabana appeals to me for some reason. I like it. Dan, did it tickle your fancy? I like Colt a lot. I like Brody Lee a lot. I thought the match was fine. I, I still don't re- totally get the dark order. I, I think the thing that I was most impressed with was Colt wrestling with those fucking bruises on the side. Ooh. Those look so goddamn painful. Whoa. And apparently it's been like, because I texted him and he was like, it's been going on for weeks. So I don't even know how you sleep on that shit. But like, if you, you know, Colt's very good and, and trying to see, like seeing somebody work with those bruises, like, I was so I was good. impressed that he was able to just pull off the match. Part he's of me so hopes that it's part of me hopes that it's all work and he's keeping the gimmick up for you when you text him. You're like, "How are you?" It's like, "Oh, it hurts really bad." Like he's he's keeping kayfabe. Like that's my yeah. hope. The only bummer for this, and I think the storyline was fine. 
it kind of sucks that SCU is in this slot because I think they're incredibly talented and they're just kind of being used to advance angles and then they're filling slots on AEW dark. So I'm hoping that they're biding time and find some place else for them. I just don't want them to wind up being, uh, you know, Velocity or Sunday Night Heat bound. Can I, can I just jack uh, off that point? You know, AEW made a huge big point about being inclusive and Scorpio Sky looked like there he was going to get a push, and it seems like that stalled. And you know, for as inclusive as they claim to be, the top program on NXT is about to be a black guy versus a Puerto Rican guy, and on AEW it's still pretty much all white guys. Now, like, look, I I, I don't know if they have as talented of a guy as Keith Lee uh, in, in a, I don't know who's as talented as Keith Lee, but that's a, that's a different argument. Uh, but I, I do think that it's, it's a little bit like, there's a lot of lip service and there's not as much, uh, there's not as much real proof with the booking. It's funny you say that because Jim Ross made a point of, he gave, uh, he gave Scorpio Sky the, the Shelton Benjamin praise. Well, he's, he's the best pure athlete we have here. And then made a point of saying that, Kazarian and Daniels are going to focus on being a tag team and Scorpio Sky is going to focus on being a singles uh, competitor going forward while still them being SCU. So maybe they're going to, they're going to find a way to elevate Scorpio Sky or to your point, it may just be lip service. Uh, the main event of Fighter Fest night two, Chris Jericho against freshly squeezed Orange Cassidy, uh, the guy that we've dubbed AEW's Undertaker. Uh, Scott, did this live up to the hype? I I, I really did enjoy it. Um, Cassidy's character, something uh, about what he's done with it, I uh, I I believe in it. I think that that character could actually win matches against big names. I think he could be in main events like he was last night. Uh, he, it's it all comes off like a tactic. Like he's actually found a way to reveal to us that it's all this smart plan of getting in a person's head or I, I don't know. I, I, it, it's hard to explain. I, I heard a guy on, on, I don't even know what show it was um, talking about it. And he, he said, he's like Han Solo. And, uh, and that's what it reminds me of like this guy who's too cool for everything, but when he needs to, um, you know, pull up some ass. I thought it was awesome. And Jericho was hilarious. Mike Lawrence texted us and he says like um, orange Cassie did Orange Cassidy to him is like Bugs Bunny and uh, Chris Jericho is, is like the perfect Daffy Duck. So that's a good comparison too. I'm just going by other people's words right now because I just enjoy Speaking it. of another kid who got hit during his <laughs> <laughs> uh, Oh, I think we just lost Robert, but he'll be back. I, I thought that this match was really fun. I enjoyed this match more than Keith Lee and Adam Cole, but I, I don't really know if that was because of the match because or it was because I didn't know the finish of the match. I think it's because I like the match a little bit better. But, but both I, main events were, were great. Both, I mean, yeah, we're going to get to NXT. Um, but I think it's also the crowd. And I also think it's something about they've been building this. And even though they've been building it in a silly way because it's going to be fucking silly, um, there's something to follow, whereas uh, the NXT main event was kind of just a thing they put together. And now we have to care. Well, that's true, but... I oh, he rang the, the bell. He rang the bell. Did you hear that? 
Most. <laughs> Zach, did you just ring the bell? Yeah, I sure did. Hell yeah. All right, guys, I think both your points on uh, Jericho and Orange Cassidy were completely correct. And I'm not just saying that because I got knocked out for a minute due to a crashed Wi-Fi. I'm going to assume it was brilliant and wonderful. I thought the match was great. Definitely would have liked to have seen it with a crowd. But uh, Orange Cassidy proved that uh, Dan was right. He is the uh, undertaker of AEW. So we're going we're gonna to move on to number uh, – So I'm glad that you bring I'm glad you up. agreed with all that. Well, that was the main event of uh, Great American Bash. That was the big reveal at the end. But uh, that's why there were two titles being held up at once. Um, it's all the Illuminati. All right. Do, do we need to ring the bell again, no, Jack? Or, or can we Don't just worry. pretend we heard it? Thank God. Uh, that bell has turned heel on me about five minutes into this show. Uh, number two, we're going to talk about Great American Bash Night 2. Uh, the opening match, Candice LeRae and Mia Yim in a street fight. Dan, what'd you think? I dug the match. That swinging neck breaker that they did at the end of the match, holy shit, was, God, was unbelievable. I, I have one complaint. I, I, whenever a baby face puts on brass knuckles, it just seems very unbaby face. I know it's like a street fight. It just seems like such a heel move because it's like sneaky. But I, I thought it was very good yeah. and... Again, I mean, it was just a great night for wrestling. Like, like these four hours of wrestling compared to the five hours of SmackDown and Raw, I mean, it's, it, there's no even comparison, you know? It's almost like they live on different universes. Yeah. This match alone was better than anything I saw on Friday night, SmackDown or Raw. Uh, it amazes me. I mean, it's specifically the NXT women, what they've done – during this whole epidemic, quarantine, whatever. It's like, I mean, killing themselves in front of nobody. And, uh, yeah, it's, they, they've been amazing from Jump Street. But, yeah, this was awesome. I love this match. I think the most dangerous part of this entire match is that there was a snack table that's shared by everyone there. And that is not a smart idea, given everything going on with COVID. <laughs> Uh, uh, I'm glad they destroyed it as a weapon and got rid of all that food because I don't want the idea of knowing that they're, they're sharing. Wait, the you, you, you think they really the are? Snacks. What do you a think prop? that was, uh, it was a prop. I, I, I've assumed it's always been props. They're just really dropping each other on shit. You guys are eating. How, how annoying is that? I mean, I don't know what the catering situation is at the performance center right now. Um, but, uh, I would imagine that they, they weren't going to think in advance of we should really stock a, uh, a snack table for this spot. Um, I thought it was a really fun, uh, fun opening match. And, and yeah, to your point, this is like it's, it's a totally different world from what we're seeing elsewhere. Uh, next up, Bronson Reed uh, beat the premier athlete, Tony Nese. Uh, it happened. It was, it was fine. Bronson Reed looked, uh, looked dominant and strong in it. I think it was a nice showcase for him. Scott, yeah, um, I liked it. It felt a little, I mean, not a lot like filler, right? But, I mean, not even so much filler. It's just these shows are very good at being stacked. And so when something doesn't feel like, uh, like a big deal or doesn't feel like it's progressing a story, you're kind of – confused because they're so good at it uh this just felt like a match but it was a it was a good match and what i do like about nxt is um i feel like they have way more singles matches than aew 
and I'm a, I'm a sucker for a singles match. I, I like when two guys kind of build their characters, you know, through matches every week. Yeah, I. I, I Damn, oh, I'm sorry, Robert. I, I thought. That's right. I'm trying to be the host here, trying to sorry, direct traffic. Uh, yeah, we're we're still figuring this out, guys. Tony Nese, ha, you know, he's very talented in the ring, but what the fuck is this gimmick? It is the most nothing gimmick. The premier athlete. It's just like the blueprint. There, there's just like which was Matt Morgan's gimmick, I think. Yeah. I, I you should just be like, you know how you know how they're all like both shows are kind of taking shots at each other. He should just be like better looking Pac. Like actually, just <laughs> name him Adrian Neville. Like they own it, right? He's fucking Neville now. Tony Nese is Neville. Hey, I'm better looking Neville. We're Tony uh, Neville. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm Tony I'm Neville. Like Tony Neville. Fuck up. Yeah, I'm his superior brother. <laughs> Pretty sure Tony Neville was like the prime minister of England at one point. Uh, they both had an eight pack of abs. Like that, his entire gimmick is he has abs, yeah. which for WWE creative is not the worst thing they've ever come up with. Dude, sexy Neville is a good gimmick. <laughs> Neville already has that gimmick. Next up was Johnny Gargano and Isaiah Swerve Scott. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take this one first because I'm biased uh, when it comes to uh, Swerve. He was the first MLW World Champion that we had, and I was a big supporter of him. And he was a, a great guy to work with. I think he's very talented in the ring. I also like the fact that Johnny Gargano is when you think of him, you traditionally think of him as a babyface, but he wrestles so well as a shitty heel. And he has a way of making you cheer for the guy that he's facing just based on some of the nuances that he does. And this, I thought, was a really nice spotlight of that to move him forward as that, as that cemented heel character. Dan? I like Isaiah Swerve Scott. I don't understand why he's not a heel. It seems like a heel gimmick. Even when he had a near fall, his eyes bulged like a heel does. You know, I, I thought it was a good match. I mean, Gargano can do no wrong for me. I, I, I can maybe count on my hand the amount of times I've been unimpressed by a Gargano match. But yeah, I mean, I thought it was a, I thought it was a really solid, really solid match, and they both look strong. Yeah, it, it was definitely a solid match, and a match that like NXT is good at this too. It's like you you see a guy like Swerve, and then almost immediately you're like. Ooh, I can't wait to see him fight uh, Gargano or uh, Champa or whatever. And then it it gets to happen quickly, you know. And I don't know if it's a good thing that it gets to happen quickly, but I like watching it, you know. Um, and I'm sure it'll be better down the road. Yeah, I liked it. I liked it. All right. Uh, next up was uh, the NXT Six Man Tag. It was uh, Legado del Fantasma against Brizongo and Drake Maverick. Scott. Just so I, I watched um, the the AEW um, eight man tag match. Um, you know, I watched AEW before I watched NXT, and for some reason I was comparing it, which is really unfair. It was good. It was good. I'm I'm just I'm not into any of them much. Dan. Confer, uh, uh, I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I could be even a little less kind. I, I, I feel like the whole gimmick of Brizango and Drake Maverick are like, we didn't get fired, so shouldn't they be excited the whole time? And I, I don't understand, like, is Drake now, like, leading a stable of jobbers to go against this new Mask Luchador stable? It just didn't seem like, you know, this is my big problem with 
with NXT. The only problem I have with NXT, and I really like NXT, is that like like that match was not bad. This the six man match wasn't bad. But when the match isn't good, it just feels like every other WWE match. And it just felt like I was like, why are these guys? I know, I know that the the one stable that they have some lucha experience. Why am I not seeing that? Instead, I'm just kind of seeing this paint by numbers six man. I think you know the story was well. You know Drake has to keep giving the evil eye to Phantasma or whatever his, his name is now, and you're waiting for that moment, waiting for that moment. But you you know he's not going to win because they're not going to blow it off here. And it did. It felt like they were they were kind of treading water. I think they were perfectly fine. But to Scott's point, when you do a multi man tag match the same night as AEW pulled off that eight man, you can't help but compare them. Uh, next up, uh, Mercedes Martinez uh, beat Santana Garrett. This was uh, NXT's version of the uh, women's squash match for the evening. I, it was fine. I'm concerned about Mercedes Martinez because there's a strong Shayna Baszler vibe going on there. And if Vince is keeping Baszler off Raw because he doesn't understand her look or her gimmick, I don't have a, a lot of optimism for Mercedes if she ever gets off uh, NXT. I like and- Mercedes a lot. Santana Garrett's gimmick stinks. I don't know what the fuck that gimmick is <laughs> with a top hat and a cane. It kind of reminded me of high school. Like there was this girl who dressed like on Halloween as Supergirl, but she was like too old to be dressed as Supergirl. And we didn't make fun of her because she was also like a little slow. So it was just kind of like uncomfortable for everybody in the cafeteria. But the point is I'm a horrible person and her gimmick sticks. The point is, I've been judging outfits for a very long time. <laughs> <laughs> I am the, I'm the Michael Kors of fucking wrestling. Every, yeah, every time we review something, you're just like, his trunks this week were absolutely spectacular. Well, it's a visual and, uh, medium. The way it's they shined medium. off of his ass during certain camera angles. <laughs> I like that your idea of high fashion was Michael Kors, by the way. That was, that was the most telling part of this entire burial. Um, it, it's funny because when it comes to Santana, I, I have this th- – and, and, again, it's, it's inside baseball and it's weird, but I have the same thing with her that I did with the Lucha Bros and, and having work with them is Santana, whenever we, whenever we had her on MLW, she wrestled the same match every time because it was all about – she came out wearing a headband. And at some point during the match, whoever she was facing was going to take the headband off and probably put it on their head and mock her, and she was going to take the headband back and win. And she did it about 10 times. In the same way Penta and Phoenix, a lot like Ric Flair, they have a blueprint. And if Penta, every single match, can come out there and peel off his glove one at a time and then give you the finger or smack you, he's going to do it every single match. If he can take the baseball cap off of a fan in the crowd and put it on his head, he did it for us four shows in a row. Same exact spot, even after we asked him, like, hey, maybe stop taking baseball caps off people. Um, I don't know if there were nice hats or not, if there were Michael Kors hats, Dan, but uh, he was doing it. Hey, man, it was weird. you see Leonard Skinner, uh, you got to hear Freebird, you know? Exactly. Uh, this, is, this, is their, uh, this is their Freebird. Uh, the, the main event of this show, not at all spoiled by an Instagram post a week ago, uh, Keith Lee and Adam Cole for all of the NXT titles in the world. Uh, Scott, what'd you think? Yeah, I mean, it, it was uh, it was a fantastic match. Uh, one complaint is, what's the reason for having it? Uh, it, it there's it felt like an empty storyline. Um, other than this needs to happen right now, because 
AEW has a thing, which again, I, I don't think competition right now is the last thing they should be worrying. They should just be worrying about themselves. Maybe I'm wrong on that. I just think both companies need to focus on themselves. Um, but I did love the match. I know, you know, Dan was texting me before I even saw it and he was like, yeah, there's something funny about a guy Keith Lee size selling for Adam Cole. And then you watch it and he's right. I mean, how is, how is Adam Cole delivering a Canadian destroyer to, or a Panama sun, whatever the hell to uh, Keith Lee. But I watch it and I go, Ooh, cool. You know, but it just, it, it's hard to, to completely feel like a big match when that's the visual. Dan, what'd you think of Keith Lee's trunks? <laughs> I will, first off, I think Keith Lee is, has the highest uh, ceiling, you know, out of anybody at NXT. His comebacks are amazing. They kind of remind me of Hogan and Cena and The Rock. Uh, if, we, if we do want to talk aesthetics, dear God, like, get him the Propecia that LeBron and fucking Ryan Seacrest have because, man, his hairline is turning heel. It is really, he's really going bald. And I'm most excited about us skipping over that Damien Priest package. Because, man, if you thought Damien Priest was bad as, a, bad as a heel, you should see him as a face. It really does remind me of, like, if you ordered Roman Reigns for a kid's birthday party. Like, we couldn't afford Roman Reigns, but here's Damien Priest, the fucked up looking version of Roman Reigns. I love the, at the end of it, when they had the Carrion Cross and Scarlet Bordeaux. I thought they only needed to see him once. We didn't need to see him twice. Uh, but I did like them, you know, like hinting at the next feud without, without like them, like spoiling the moment for Keith Lee. But, you know, I thought it was, it was a match that got hurt by there not being a crowd. And, and I thought it was, I thought it was still good. I, th I think both of those guys are very good in the ring. I don't know what I would have felt about that match if I hadn't known the ending. That's, that's what's so hard about this match, is that match was all about the ending, and because it got spoiled and I knew the right guy was going to win, I just wasn't as invested. For me, I was actually more invested for some reason. It, it, I mean, it's not like the Foley thing at all. Uh, but, I mean, to a degree it was. Uh, it, it definitely made me more interested in watching it. And... Uh, I was just excited to see how they got to it. I, I mean, I did love the match. I loved it. It's just missing something. I thought the match was great. Yeah, I thought the match was great. I think the idea of the way that Cole wrestled the match in a way to kind of highlight the fact that, yeah, Keith Lee's bigger, but I'm going to do moves that are going to kind of wear him down a little bit. And for the most part, they did a nice job with it. The, the part of the match that did drive me nuts was when he went for the, the Panama Sunrise or whatever. You see Keith Lee flipping in the air for him is is very it just takes you out of the moment uh knowing that keith lee was going to win makes the false finishes kind of uh, hollow and, and a little bit of a waste of time but i think if you go back and try to watch it again i think you'd wind up enjoying it not sure where they're going to go with it but now keith lee has uh has two titles and uh raw has a new design for one of their titles. That is a seamless transition to preserve you from having to hear that bell. Uh, number three on the top 10 is the new United States title design. We're going to go with our fashionista, uh, Dan. Hey, fellas. What, what did you think don'ts of this? on the WWE red carpet. I love the new title. I thought it was great. I thought the old United States title stunk. 
Uh, I, I think that this was one of the, especially since the last title we saw was the TMT title. Yeah, I'm excited about it. And MVP automatically makes it important. Hey, I, uh, I saw the finished TNT title, like the design. How does it look? It's amazing. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, it's amazing. No, it's, it's beautiful. But that being said, this is a beautiful belt, too. This, I love this belt. I love it. I had no complaints about it. I go online. Somehow there's even a few. I don't understand what, where that comes from. Yeah, people um, are acting like it was like the Universal Championship or something. So, so strange. Um, and then you have, you know, fans that are into designing stuff. So I actually did see some designs that were like, this is how it could have been better. And some of them were better. But this was amazing. This belt looks fucking great. And it's such an improvement from the other one. Now all we have to do is start caring about it. <laughs> I find it. I find it hard to to get excited about belts a lot. Uh, I'm not a huge belt mark. I love the wingy winged eagle belt, but I remember there was a there was a time when I was at WWE and and we were getting ready to film something. It was like my first week, and Batista was like, "Here, can you hold this?" He hands me the world title to like hold, and I put it on my shoulder for a minute. I'm like, "All right, this is a really cool moment. I'm holding the big gold belt," and then one of the jewels falls off. And somebody walks over with like a, with a hot glue gun and like this happens and they just hot glue it back onto the title. And I'm like, well, that there goes, you know, 23 years of, of fandom of like, well, there goes. It's like a Christmas ornament you inherit. (laughs) I would be baffled as a Jew to get a Christmas ornament that was inherited (laughs) to me. So I would cherish that. Um, we didn't, we didn't get a title for Killing Your God, so all we really have is the United States title. The font, it looks like a big uh, championship ring that you get from a professional sports team, and working for the Panthers, I never had to worry about getting one of those. <laughs> so uh, moving on to, to number four. Uh, Zach, do you want to ring the bell? You had one job, dude. Come on. <laughs> All right, the bell, the bell is gone, uh, but what's not gone is the uh, slightly built TNT title. And uh, the question that, that's being posed here is, is whether or not the, uh, the challenges should be more open, coming off the fact that Eddie Kingston, in a field in the middle of who knows where after wrestling a match in front of 20 people, called out Cody uh, using a lot of expletives. Eddie Kingston's a talented promo, but it was basically like, hey, give me a shot. So, uh, you know, Dan, how, how would you be, uh, be handling this open challenge situation? With well, Scott, I think you sent me that video of his promo in February where he talks about how he's sick of putting guys over, which is, I think, a better promo, but I, I really like this promo. Uh, he, it's, I watched the promo. I watched it twice. The first time, I'm like, oh, it doesn't really look like a wrestler. But the second time, I bought it. And also, I just got back from Long Island, and he just – like he looks like if he wasn't yelling about Cody Rhodes, he would be like screaming at a cashier about having to wear a mask at a Target. You know, he has that like Long Island, like like fuck you. I went to Nassau Community College. I don't give a shit. Yeah, but it's all it's authentic. It is authentic. He's awesome. I, I love it. I I love what he does, and I hope it happens because Cody said that that was part of it. Part of you know having these open challenges part of you know this belt was he wanted uh anybody from anywhere to be able to challenge for it uh as long as i guess you know they agreed and then you know originally when i heard this i was like oh this is perfect for like you know a guy whose whole gimmick is being independent like david Starr, and now you know he he unfortunately uh 
works uh, elsewhere now. Um, he's he's getting yelled at by Eddie Kingston about um, wearing a mask inside of whatever store he's going to be working at. And um, he'll be working at a Starbucks. <laughs> yeah, but I love it, and I think I think what they should do with it. Um, Khan and Cody seem to be really into, you know, helping out wrestling. That was like a thing when they were filming those uh, the shows in Georgia. They were helping out all the like QTs uh, trainees and stuff. Um, get some money in their pockets while the indies are shut down. And I think this is like a good way to make goodwill with like NWA and Ring of Honor and uh, when, you know, the borders eventually open, even like a way to kind of form a, a relationship with New Japan by saying, hey, send this guy over for one, one feud and we'll send like, it, it just seems like an actual tool they can use to do business, to, uh, which I think they would want. I think that's kind of part of the dream is to, I, I know I've heard, you know, even before this company was a thing, like guys like Kenny and the Bucks, like knowing that what they really want is to be able to work anywhere, you know, like that is the ultimate goal of, I think a lot of wrestlers is to truly be independent contractors. And you kind of have a moment here to do something like that. Zach, new rule. Anytime Scott says New Japan outside of the New Japan corner, hit the bell. Just bring it. Just, uh, just. I'm, I'm like Earl Hebner over here giving you the signal. Uh, this was the screw job. Yeah, I think they can bring in any guy. I think Eddie Kingston's a talented promo. It encourages a little bit of internet buzz. And if they let somebody get in there, maybe. But uh, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm waiting to see where they're going to go with this TNT title gimmick. Personally, I think. Cody's miscasting it. I'd rather see if they're going to have someone tread water with it now. I'd rather see Kenny Omega with it because I think it's interesting to watch Omega wrestle random guys and facing him is a big deal when they're treating facing Cody as being yeah. a big deal. And Eddie Kingston's promo was all about Cody's kind of a poser and an actor pretending to be. It was important. great. Yeah. He talked about it. He had fake teeth. You're pretending. And he said, he said, uh, he said, and the uh, the guys you do business with, meaning like, you know, the Bucks and Kenny, he's like, they like me more than they like you, which is kind of cool because you go, hey, that's totally possible. <laughs> I like Eddie Kingston, and he is like that in real life. I've seen him cut a promo like that in a Friday's awesome. before. So you, <laughs> That's where a promo like that is birthed. Like, that's when he realized he wanted to be a wrestler was by yelling at somebody at an Applebee's when he was a kid. Like, it's weird when he doesn't you call someone you. a cunt. <laughs> yeah. You said these were all you can eat appetizers, and I'm still hungry, and I don't give a shit that you close at 12. I'm 24-7 eating mozzarella sticks. Put the fucking strap on me. Uh, next up, COVID. I don't know if you guys have heard about this. Apparently, there's a global pandemic going on. Uh, Florida, we all have it. Uh, you lick the walls, you get it. Uh, WWE can't seem to get away from this. There's a, there's a couple of notes that have happened within this. First of all, SummerSlam was supposed to take place in Baston. Uh, that's not happening because Massachusetts shut that shit down. So now SummerSlam will take place in the purgatory that is the Performance Center, uh, where now everybody in the audience is wearing masks all the time. Um, I'll jump on this first. I'm glad they're not trying to force SummerSlam to, to have an audience, especially in, in, in some place like Massachusetts. I think it would wind up being distracting and un uncomfortable in the same way you feel when they promote the, uh, the shows over in Saudi Arabia, where the show itself becomes overshadowed by all the politics that are wrapped up in it. 
And what surprised me about Vince now finally saying the people in the crowd should be wearing masks, this feels like such a Vince McMahon thing because, number one, you can market the hell out of masks. Those NXT masks that they were wearing look pretty badass. Number two, this is a chance for him to cover up the audience. He doesn't want you to focus on the crowd. He wants you to focus on what's going on in the ring. And by those guys wearing masks, you're not looking at anybody but what's going on uh, where he wants you to look. So, uh, Dan, what do you think? COVID? Yes or no? I, I support COVID. Wait, what was the question? <laughs> I think WWE should lean into it more. Have, like, a bunch of senior citizens outside as a lumberjack. So, like, when you touch them, you're like, fuck. Or, like, have the president of Brazil in, like, a shark cage above the ring. I, the only thing that really pissed me off this week with the WWE COVID news are the fucking $1,000 fines that WWE is going to be instituting. If How somebody- the fuck did they find a way to, to, to punish people for going to a thing that none of them want to be at? Like, none of them want to be there. And well, like, then you're going to punish somebody? ICU, for Christ's sake. You know? Yeah. Oh, that scared me. Yeah, Solana's mother is, yeah, she's in the ICU, and I, I hope she hasn't been in – I hope that's not related. I mean, no. I mean, if you don't know if it's. Related. I mean, more than anything, I I hope she she's okay. But uh, yeah, damn, that 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 was, that's bad. That's all bad. I just I, I think it was like it's probably like an empty gesture. Like they're probably. I mean, Robert, you've worked there. I haven't. I, I can't see them actually finding anyone for this. But it, it could just be a PR. No. Move, but. I feel like Jim Jim Cornette's got to be happy because he he never liked when they do uh, stipulations of fines that are like we're bonuses that are way too high because it seems comical he's like no i can't find them two hundred thousand dollars they don't make two hundred thousand dollars i'll find them five grand like so this he's got to be happy like this has to be the best week of jim or jim Cornette's life uh you'd only be happier if the wrestler took his mask off has to fuck his wife uh while he's eating wendy's we are this is his make a wish um but it's uh it's hearing they're finding people might be the second stupidest thing i've heard all week which brings us to number six on the list, <laughs> the eye for an eye match, where uh, Rey Mysterio and Seth Rollins will be facing one another. And the way you win the match, and WWE clarified this on their website, is you have to rip out your opponent's eye. Scott, if New Japan was doing this, how many stars <laughs> would you get? This is, uh, man. Huh. Like, it's... I go, what is the end result, right? That's like, that's how we should be looking at all of wrestling. What is the end result and is it worth it? Now, the end result of this, all it can be is that Ray remains signed, comes back in a month and wears a contact lens for the rest of his career. Like a cool colored contact lens. That's the best thing that comes out of this. And so I go, yeah, not worth it. Doesn't make any sense at all. Dan, how happy are you that Bruce Pritchard is back right and wrong? <laughs> I, you know, I really think just Seth wants to wear an eye patch. He's like, Moxley got to wear one. Why can't I wear one? Yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I, I don't know if the company understands what a baby face is. <laughs> like, removing somebody's eye, you know, it, it's kind of similar. I mean, we're going to talk about it later on, what they're doing with Drew. But I, I don't think Vince understands, like, like, what makes a good person? Like, maybe if you remove someone's eye in a wrestling match, the fans aren't going to like Rey Mysterio as much. I, I don't know. Just c- call me crazy. Well, remember, uh, AEW had an eye for an eye match uh, a couple months ago. 
They did. Tony Khan brought that Yeah, Jericho out. took credit. Yeah, Jericho's been a little wild on Twitter. He's, like, talking about the ratings, like, right now, tweeting about the ratings and what they actually mean and stuff. But, um... Oh, Tony Khan tweeted him out wild. as well. So, and then know, the, these guys are embroiled in a war when they're fighting with a company where the way to win the match is to rip out someone's eyeball on a madness. PG program. It's madness. My, uh, uh, it, when, when it comes to the, uh, the battles, because, well, I mean, it's really just AEW talking. I haven't seen any NXT guys say anything. It's very weird. But Dax Harwood said, guys, if you're burying one company over the other, you're completely missing the fun. I watched both shows from last night, and we are lucky as fans to get the wrestling we get. In 1997, I loved the Hart Foundation, and I loved the NWO. I hope you guys can do the same, which is real That is a man keeping his options open in case he shits the bed <laughs> AEW needs to go back home. He's, he's not an idiot. He will gladly, like in about six months, when, when the checks stop coming in, he'll gladly rip out his eyeball. Somewhere PCO has got to be so pissed off that he missed out on having an eye for an eye match. <laughs> Because he's the only guy who can legitimately it does make get me want to watch it though. I feel like it's gonna be like an episode of Goosebumps, and I'm 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 I am more of an Are You Afraid of the Dark guy, but I'll watch a fucking episode of Goosebumps, dude. Let's watch it. Like that's gonna I'm fine with this show. I think it's gonna be very silly. I, I, it's if it wasn't a horror show before the I whatever's gonna come out of this is just I, you know I try to think back when I first met my wife and I told her I, I used to work in wrestling and I watch wrestling and she's like isn't that kind of stupid and I'm like no it's not at all and then I think back to having to explain okay so the way you win this match is uh, you rip out someone's eyeball and uh, yeah so. <laughs> Uh, moving on, uh, if they could rip out your ear so you don't have to hear the bell ring, I think you'd be fortunate. Uh, number seven, uh, oh, we, we pulled an audible. Originally, we were going to talk about the uh, new CFO at the WWE and break down her stock portfolio and her board seats. But instead, we're going to tell the ridiculous story out there uh, that Kenny Omega has once again brought to light about how Kota Ibushi, uh, calm down, Scott, uh, when he was backstage a few years ago, high five Vince McMahon, having no idea who he was. Do, do you buy this story in the, in the first place? Well, Scott? so somebody posted that it happened, and then Meltzer wrote that, yes, this is actually true. Then Omega responded to that with, like, yes, surprisingly, there are guys out here who were, you know, who aren't, you know, afraid of their bosses or something like that. Who don't walk on yes. eggshells around yes. their boss, um, which fuck him for saying that only because, and I, I, I know, I, I just said fuck you about Kenny Omega. I can hear the Patreon patrons just pushing cancel right now. I love him. I think he's the best wrestler of all time. Please don't leave. When you don't fear your boss, you wind up with Eric Bischoff in WCW. When you don't fear your boss, you wind up with Dixie Carter and TNA. When you don't fear your boss, you're going to wind up with what's kind of going to wind up happening with Tony Khan. You need somebody at the top that everybody is afraid of because it kind of keeps everyone in line. And I think wrestling companies over the years have shown when there's somebody lacks at the top, the company does kind of fall apart a little bit. This guy bit. hates Bernie Sanders, man. He hates him. <laughs> I don't know, man. Which guy hates Bernie Sanders? You're the one who personally knows Vince, but it's just so fucking weird to me that a guy who suspended Titus O'Neil for grabbing his shoulders and who's pissed off that Kota Ibushi high-fived him is also the same guy that tripped Kofi Kingston and hoped 
Kofi Kingston tripped him back as a sign of respect. Like this, this you can't play it both ways. You can't be yeah. like this, like all powerful CEO, and then also <laughs> be like yeah. animal house. Yeah, and then hear stories of like someone walks by him and he's like pussy, huh, pussy. Huh. Did you say like yeah. he's just challenging dudes <laughs> to fights? I just don't understand the idea that there's anybody in wrestling who wouldn't know who Vince McMahon is, especially at the level Kota Ibushi is at. Like, that's the part of the story that makes zero sense. We're like, oh, the one thing I'll say about Kota Ibushi is apparently, like, he doesn't like he's not really involved in wrestling. Like, he he, you know, he had all these opportunities like a few years ago before he signed with New Japan, like legitimately. He was very up in the air. He would leave. He didn't want to sign any contracts. I think, like, the first real contract he signed was only, like, a year and a half ago, two years ago, you know? Uh, he that, that, may, that may be, but it's kind of like saying, oh, I've been writing comic books for 30 years, but I don't know yeah, who Stan Lee yeah. Like, it's just it, – it, it, there's a logic gap yeah. in it. I think it's a, it's a cutesy story, and it's a, it's a great chance for, for Kenny to get that line out there. I don't know. I, I just, uh, I but don't also think it. about what they said. Uh, it seems like a real story. It was a high five. Like it's foreigners. Like if I believe they high five when they don't, when they, a lot of times when I meet a foreigner, they'll give me a high five. I'm just saying that's a real thing. Just me personally. I don't know if you guys have experienced that, but it's like a pleasant thing, not but it's not a pandemic. handshake. It's like a, you know, it, it's a thing that has, it's an awkward thing that does occur. I mean, if I saw Abushi, I'd probably bow. Yeah, know? yeah, exactly. You want to know what to do. Uh, I, want, I wanted Dan to start doing the Jerry Seinfeld aisle five uh, bit. Uh, number eight, Heath Slater returned to, uh, to Raw for one of the most bizarre segments in the history of professional wrestling. Um, Heath Slater gets uh, gets called out. Uh, he, he's brought out by Dolph Ziggler, and Heath basically says, "You know, hey man." Uh, and it was, it was a great promo by Heath, by the way. I want I want to point that out. He he kind of proved that there was no reason they should have fired him. They should have just tweaked his gimmick a little bit. Uh, he seemed genuine and earnest and passionate when he was talking, uh, but he basically came out there and was like, "Hey, you know, I got fired, uh, Drew and." You never called me when you got fired. I called you all the time. And then Drew's response was kind of like, yeah, I, I, I'm an asshole. And it's like you spent all this time building Drew up as what I thought has been one of the better babyface builds of the last five, ten years. And the last few weeks since Hammond's been gone, they continue to drop the ball. And the story here is so Drew's a dick. Then, he, then they wind up having a match where he squashes his best friend in a matter of seconds. Then Dolph picks on Heath after and Drew saves him. And then Heath hugs Drew, the guy who stabbed him in the back for the last few weeks, let him get fired. Even though in their world, you're the champion, you have all the power and I got fired. And then you never called me when you know I'm unemployed with kids, but now I forgive you because you saved me from the situation that you put me in. What the fuck, Dan? Well, I read about this before I actually watched it. And when I read it, I had the same reaction that you did, where I was like, this doesn't make any sense. This doesn't make Drew a baby face. This makes him an asshole, left his friend behind. And it didn't make any sense. It, but Drew and, and Heath are so good that at the end of the segment, all I remember is them doing the three-man band 
uh, symbol with their hands. Like, I don't remember the stuff that didn't make sense beforehand. And I really don't know how many more of these booking decisions, like, Drew has left in him. Luckily, Drew's a very good baby face, and I think he's going to be cheered when the fans come back. But if they keep fucking I, – I just don't think Vince knows what a good guy is. So they, they, they book these – they book these angles and he doesn't realize that he's making the hero come off as an asshole. He, he has no idea. But Dan, your, your point makes it even worse, but your point makes it even worse where literally they, they, the way they ended the segment was by just winking at the audience of like, Hey, the last 15 minutes you just watched was bullshit. We're doing our version of the curtain call where we're genuinely saying goodbye to one another. And this is a great emotional moment. Yeah, also, I, it's know, like, Scott. also, the reference is the three-man band. It's like, at some point, we have to go, we have to just, like, admit failure and not embrace it as, like, a fun, awkward thing that was a thing. It was shit. It was shit. And shouldn't, it shouldn't be a part of nostalgia. Um, but it would be cool. Oh, I'm sorry, Scott. Also, also, I want to say, uh, Robert, what you said about him not being fired. He looked better than ever, right? I mean, he looked, he looked like he's getting there he's getting bigger um so isn't that kind of like doesn't that show that maybe he wasn't working as hard as he could have while he was there no it shows that he's no longer being wellness policy oh. tested and he's getting ready for slammiversary <laughs> he also has a, he has a hell of a, he had a better tan and he was allowed to be himself but to be fair when was the last time he slater was on tv really for us to compare physiques i think he had like that one-off match against uh brian and that was kind of it. So, I don't know. And uh, I think he's going to do well in, uh, in Impact. And then in a couple of years, they'll wind up bringing him back. Uh, but, you know, sometimes you just can't get rid of uh, just shitty ideas. Which brings me to number nine, Scott's New Japan. Yes! Yeah! Ring the bell! <laughs> uh, are you guys excited to uh, watch Dominion this weekend? I'm, I'm super excited. Yeah, so uh, I guess we can plug the Patreon right now as I do this because this week's Patreon, we are watching New Japan's Dominion live from Osaka Joe Hall. I think there's going to be like 3,000 people in attendance. So uh, that's, that's what you get for taking a break. You get, you get to go uh, see wrestling. Uh, and I pray for those people. I hope everything turns out okay. <laughs> no, no, no. I hope. I think it'll be fine. Um, but yeah, so it's going to be the, I believe it's the second show because this Saturday um, we have the New Japan Cup final. Um, the final is uh, Okada versus Evil to see who's going to fight Naito for the title at Dominion, which again, we will be reviewing. Um, that's the main event for Saturday's show. Also, we're going to have, uh, Kiwato, who is a wrestler. He was a young lion. He went on excursion and there was like, there's been these previews for a master Wato. Have you guys seen this at all? No. And it's like this great warrior and everyone's nope. like, oh, it's going to be Kiwato. This is going to be awesome. And then he debuted like last week, um, during the tournament show. And it's, it's terrible. It's like the, it, He's got like blue hair and a blue outfit, and it's like, it's really awful. Uh, and well, anyway, he's facing uh, somebody, Doki. I don't even know. It's, it's gonna, we're gonna find out if this is an absolute failure or like a swerve. It's just very confusing for those watching. Um, and then, anyway, then we have um, the next night we have Dominion again, which we are doing on Patreon. 
It's headlined by Naito versus whoever wins Okada versus Evil. We're going to have Tanahashi and Ibushi versus Tai Chi, uh, Dan's least favorite wrestler in the tai world. Tai Chi is a priest. It is a real dog fight. Yeah, uh, and Zack Sabre Jr. He's tagging with Zack Sabre Jr. for the tag titles. Uh, and Shingo versus uh, Shingo Takagi versus Show for the never open weight title, dude. I'm so excited. You're gonna Robert. Do you watch New Japan at all? I mean, what have you seen of it? I've maybe seen one or two New Japan shows in its entirety. Why is that? Ever. What, what is the what is so, the uh, the disinterest in learning about it? I guess. Oh, it's not a disinterest in learning about it. The the challenge is is that New Japan charges you money to watch ah, their product. Okay. And there's a lot of free programming that currently exists or programming yeah. on the network uh, that I can watch. It's just, there's just a lot of wrestling. Uh, it, and I've, I've sought out when there's been, hey, you got to see this match or you got to see this situation or, or whatever it may be. So I saw some of the Jericho matches, obviously. I saw the Omega Okada 54-star mm-hmm. matches that have happened. Uh, but to sit and watch it from, from beginning to end, uh, an entire pay-per-view, yeah. Haven't done it, and I have friends that absolutely love New Japan, and and I'm I'm buddies with Kevin Kelly, so I'm excited to oh no uh, see the product that he works on. I know he's yeah, not doing yeah. the commentary because I'm getting the <laughs> full experience. What by the way, what time does this show actually? Well, the show start? Is, we'll figure out when we're going to record it to be released. Oh, on oh Monday. I, I might watch it live. What, it's at what, six, what time six a.m. on Sunday. That's nothing. I, I, have a, I have a three-year-old. Six o'clock in the dude, morning is I'm basically I'm telling you, this is, dude, this is part of the reason I love it so much. It's you wake up early, you have a little breakfast. You feel like, like you've worked out while watching this. When you watch wrestling, you're like, oh, my God, I could be preparing for bed. When you wake up early for New Japan, it's like, wow, what an adult I am waking up early. It's <laughs> awesome. You're going to love it. So, so first I got my, my first Christmas ornament. Now I'm going to know what it feels like Christmas morning <laughs> yeah. to wake up early and open my present. And inside of it, it is, is It is the Okada. best feeling in the world. So if, there, if, you've, if you have not yet subscribed to our Patreon, uh, on top of getting to hear just Scott's ebullience of excitement over New Japan, I have been tweeting for the better part of, of coming up on 10 years this December. I have never once tweeted about a new japan show i have never once proffered an opinion about it so this is your first time to hear what uh what my take is going to be on a new japan product as both a former wwe employee and as an asshole who has spent the last decade burying the wwe product and and dan how much new japan do you typically watch? well i i, I watched the g1 last year i watched uh, wrestle kingdom I've, I've watched that the last couple of years uh, usually, I watch, whenever Scott says something good, I go and check it out. I canceled my streaming service. I'm actually going to, you know, renew it so we can watch the show. Uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big New Japan fan. I think that the problem is there's just so much fucking wrestling to watch. It, it's just really tough to keep, you know, to keep up with everything. There's just so much wrestling. But, and, and there was a point where I was thinking about watching Impact for this show. And I was like, I can't, I can't go there. No way. But it's totally- I don't I don't even get the channel impacts on. Twitch. It's not on it's not on Comcast. It's on Twitch. You just gotta get Twitch. I, I'm a hundred years old. There's no way I can figure Twitch out what because of Rob Van Dam. I think they're back. Oh wow. They were they were gone for a week because Rob Van Dam had that threesome. <laughs> Wait, on, yeah, the, on show? the show? He's yeah, dating like- two women in real life. Yeah. 
He's married to one and dating another. Good. He's so fucking cool. Rob Van Dam's living a uh, a charmed life. Uh, speaking of men who live a charmed life, Chris Hemsworth is a relatively handsome gentleman, and uh, he is going to be playing Hulk Hogan in an upcoming Netflix movie being directed by Todd Phillips. Uh, Dan, do you think Chris Hemsworth's going to do a uh, a decent job as as the Hulkster? I think he's going to do a decent job. I, I I think the problem with Hogan, Hogan is so big. He is that middle school actor with the eyes bulging and, and like 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 going to ten or 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 zero. So I would really prefer them do something more interesting, like just cast Nicolas Cage and give him a bunch of fucking steroids for a year, because Nicolas Cage is as crazy as someone needs to be to be a professional wrestler on Coke in the 1980s. You know, having said that, I think it's a safe choice. I think Chris Hemsworth is good. I just don't know if he's hammy enough to play Hogan. That's my only concern. You said you said Todd Phillips is directing this? I believe that's what it said. So do you think this is going to be more Hangover or more Joker? Hopefully it's a little bit of both. Yeah, that's what I'm – well, that's like the real Hulk – yeah, you're right. Hulk Hogan, it is kind of the combination of the Hangover and the Joker. That's really his life. See, now you got me looking up uh, whether or not it's uh, directed wow. by Todd Phillips. Okay, yeah. so this is going to be a legitimate thing. Here's uh, If Hogan has anything to do with it, it's going to be a little weird. If they make the fun, creative decision to actually act it out the way Hogan says it, that could be very funny and very different, kind of trippy, you know, which I would enjoy watching. Um but my biggest fear with this movie, which is a bummer, is none of us are going to be able to enjoy it that much because once it comes out, everybody on Twitter is going to talk about how they don't talk about Hulk, how Hulk Hogan is racist for that video. And that. Well, the movie ends, it, it, it's, it's just to, it's the rise of Hogan. So we don't get the fall of Hogan. I feel like that's like the Godfather 2 of, ah. of this. Um, I think it would have been more fun if they did like what they did with that Bob Dylan movie. I'm not there where they just get a bunch of different people to play I would Hogan. Love that. that would be funny. But again, if it's Hogan timeline, cause as a kid, I didn't know that Hogan was completely full of shit. So I was always under the impression that like Hogan beat Andre and then Andre died three days later. Cause he was just yeah. struggling or, or the story about where Hogan's like, I don't know if Andre is going to do business. And I was like, Ooh, this makes it dangerous. I'm like, nah, fuck him. Um, I think Hemsworth will, will pull off the mustache well. Look, he played a convincing fat guy in the Avengers movies. So I, I think he's gonna be I think he's gonna be just fine. He said he's getting bigger for this than he did for Thor. So that'll be kind of uh fun to see. I wonder who they're gonna get to play uh Andre. CGI, Andy Circus and like a capture motion app. <laughs> I'm thinking the worst. The worst choice for a director. Imagine if Greta Gerwig directed this from the makers of Lady. I would. Hulk Hogan. What you gonna do? Yeah, I, I, I think it's gonna be. I mean, I think it'll be a. It'll be a fun movie. I'll watch it. Maybe to like appease the woke element of Twitter, you have you know the first nine tenths of the movie is just a straight up Hulk Hogan movie, and then they just insert the end of the Black Klansman. So everybody's happy at the very end. Of it. <laughs> yeah. And then maybe they show like a picture of the new day and it says rest in power. And that's the end of the movie. <laughs> I just keep picturing that scene in uh, a league of their own 
where like the ball ro- rolls to a group of black women and she throws it really hard and it's like whoa they're really good at it you know yeah. um but it's like that with wrestling but hulk hogan's just an asshole to the black wrestlers and then the movie keeps happening you're like what the fuck was that okay you remember when he got when the n-word uh recording came out and then like brooke like posted all those pictures of like hulk hogan with black fans it was yeah. like the- it's like him and like the guy with the wheelchair, and the black guy in a wheelchair, like doing a it's doing crazy. a point shoot. He'll take anyone's money as long I don't as it's like, green. That's the only. I, color I don't like how in the, all the articles about it, they didn't mention that he burped immediately after it. <laughs> <laughs> you think racism makes? Well, him it's gassy? just crazy because he's just talking about how gassy he is, and it's like they're fucking, and he's just burping, and he's just like you know, I mean, he's sitting on the side of the bed. I think they're done. Do you think Hogan ever fucked Cornette? Here's wife? a le- He may have fucked Cornette. That's why Cornette's knees actually blew out. It wasn't the <laughs> scaffold match. But here's a, here's a legit question. Do you think that because Hemsworth has said like I can't wait to jump into into this and dive down the wrestling wormhole because he doesn't know anything about it. Do you think he even knows about the Hogan racism comments, or does he just know like oh right, there's this pop culture thing and that's really all it is? Well, he he's Australian, right? That he's sure yeah. he's something from there but i feel like does he know he's doing like the uh you know the uh flashy biopic to to bolster hogan as this pr piece yeah i mean hopefully chris doesn't know. have like some secret aborigine tweets we don't fucking know about <laughs> i don't think he cares if he had i'm sure that somebody on his team has been like hey hulk hogan said this and he's probably made the calculated decision well, Todd Phillips just got Joaquin Phoenix an Oscar. Fuck it, I'll do it. I wonder if he. I wonder if he. Uh, if he gets the Oscar, if he's going to bring Hogan with him, <laughs> and let Hogan just cut a ridiculously crazy. Oh, that promo. would be amazing. <laughs> I also hope. I really hope that it's all the Hogan tall tales about how he turned down being in. Yeah, or Metallica. What well, wasn't he? Metallica. Like, yeah, Metallica. Metallica. I it was Metallica. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, it's gonna be. Didn't he say uh, he it's gonna be glorious, to a draw. Uh, that was another thing that he said. It's it's possible. He, uh, he the the list of bullshit he said could fill several uh, several hours worth. But uh, we only have this small window of time. And Zach forgot <laughs> to ring the bell. We talked about Hogan for about forty five <laughs> minutes. But uh, I think it's time for us to put a pin in the Zach. You want to try to ring the bell one? No, last time? because I've been ringing it this whole time, and you guys haven't heard it. So. <laughs> Damn! It's like an elementary school hearing test. I keep putting my hand up. I don't know why. Uh, all right, Guys, so let's get subscribe to the Patreon. I got to run to the bathroom. Thank you for having me. <laughs> thank you, Dan. Uh, thank you for. He didn't turn the screen off. Now we're gonna hit <laughs> the before we hear it. Just Dude, got we gotta problems. leave before he walks out of there naked. Um, <laughs> join the Patreon. Follow us on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter, and uh, we'll we'll see you next week. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at www.creative underscore ish. Be sure to get the Patreon so you can hear us talk, talk about New, New Japan. We got to get out of here before uh, we start hearing what's going on there with Dan. It might sound as bad as the bell ringing with Zach. So thanks for tuning in, and we'll uh, we'll See talk you to you next week.